exciting and new. You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. Sure, that fits in there very well, <laughs> right? It does, I think, because it is a—it's the outcome of a love story. So I do kind of feel like, even though it's we're shining a light on it, I think there needs to be hope for people that are divorced, and that there's room for you in the church, and that there's redemption, and that there's hope yeah. in that. I think it's—it may seem a little weird. You want us to change our music? They get that fights on the love, love boat. boat. <laughs> da, 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 da. No, I don't want to change that music. That's awesome. I want you to play it for a longer period of time in the in, in the intro. The intro I used to, to watch that show, by the way. I did too. We weren't allowed, but or our babysitter let us or something. When my parents were out at home group, they went to home group and and you guys watched the love boat. Yep, because we didn't watch it when mom was home. <laughs> She did, didn't approve of that kind of... Oh, no. We watched, like, Little House on the Prairie and the Waltons, and if we were lucky, we'd watch Wild Wild West with Dad. Now, isn't it funny to think back and that her motive was right to keep you from seeing things, but now we look at the love boat and we think, oh, you'd show this to a, anybody, right? Something has changed. Some standards somewhere have changed, right? <laughs> Some standard. Yeah. We used to sneak MTV. That's what we weren't. You must have been a city kid with cable. We didn't get MTV where we lived. We didn't either. But welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. This is Lizzie. This is Katie, and we are here in the month of love. Not talking about love today, but talking about life after divorce with Scott. If you were with us, season one, episode fourteen. There's a fabulous podcast where Scott is on and we're interviewing him. And it's he, my favorite. Don't tell anybody else. <laughs> it's it, so good. Go back and listen to it. Yes, it's a great podcast. But Scott is here. We invited him back on. He was an expert. And he's here to talk to us today from his own personal experience, but also from the perspective of being a pastor. So Scott is a single father of two teenagers. And check out his podcast and hear all about him and what lights him up. But today we're here talking about what he said a little earlier, like, this doesn't quite fit in with your month of love. <laughs> but the reason why we are shining our spotlight on not just marriage, but also divorce is because we know that divorce affects a lot of people in our church and out of the church. And we want people to know that there's hope and there's redemption, even in the midst of divorce. And so Scott has graciously joined us today to share a little bit of his perspective on this important topic. So thanks for coming back. Hey, thanks. thanks for having me. So so Scott, tell us your story after divorce. Well, let's see, I'm still still working some of that out, to be honest. So I've been divorced, I think, probably about 10 years. I remember soon after I got divorced, hearing people say, oh, you need this, this time of recovery. And I thought, 
not for me. I don't, you know, that's for somebody else. I'm not going to do that. I'm getting on with my life. <laughs> and so I went to this divorce recovery group. I actually went there hoping to meet some divorced available ladies. I was kind of, you know, thinking, um, I'm over this divorce thing. And now 10 years later, I realize, yeah, divorce, it's not really something you get over. I think it's like what one of these big life events. And I don't think it's the same for everybody. I think maybe some people who were maybe married for six months and then got a divorce, maybe it's a smaller hiccup. But yeah, divorce is a pretty big deal, I think, in life. And people that are divorced and come in our midst and come to church, a lot of those people are really deeply wounded, deeply hurt individuals carrying some heavy loads. And every story is different. Again, what's my story since divorce? Right. I was on the bench for a few years, and I, I was really frustrated about that. Some of that was good and was, I think, the Lord's doing. And by on the bench, I mean as a believer, as someone working in the kingdom of God. I don't. My personal philosophy is that if you're a mature believer and you're on the bench, why? There should be a reason why. And maybe there is a time of recovery or something. But if you're just a mature believer on the bench, then I would pose that perhaps you're not a mature believer. Do you feel like God benched you or did you bench yourself? Well, I was just going to say that I think some of that maybe was the Lord just saying, you know, you're going to have a time here, just a little time out. We'll pick things back up here in a few years, but you're going to need some recovery time. And some of it, I think, was also the church. There is a stigma that goes with being divorced in the church, especially with leadership in the church. And rightfully so, some of that. I don't want to come across as, as saying that that shouldn't be there or come from the perspective of sounding like divorce is okay just because it's so common or divorce is okay just because our culture says it's okay or that a divorced person doesn't have questions that need to be answered if such a person is going to be involved in ministry and helping other people because I think all those things are true. But also on the other side of that, I think there is the stigma in the church which is, I think, lessening these days as we become more worldly in the church. But there still is a, a stigma about a divorced person. I think the, the idea of whether you bench yourself or God benches you, I feel like so many people who are in the faith, who are religious, oftentimes you see them bench themselves in the case where this happened to me, this isn't the way it was supposed to be, the way it was supposed to go, the way that Christianity preaches yeah. It didn't work out, so I will remove myself from people or relationships or church or my work or my job or my destiny or what I was supposed to do. It's so right. It's so important. So apropos. I think, you know, when we look at divorce, divorce is sin. It doesn't please God. It's not what he wants. It's never his plan. Uh, marriage is such an important thing to God. It's such a big deal to God. God is a God of covenants, and the way God deals with you and I, every person is through a covenant. And a marriage is a covenant. In fact, you know, Paul's saying in the, when he's writing, he's saying, I, I'm talking about marriage, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And this, this relationship of being on a team, of being naked and unashamed, of having back restored the essence of perfection in a relationship. You know, marriage is, is headed that way. Every good marriage is headed towards this Garden of Eden relating. And Christ in the church, hopefully we are headed that way as well. Hopefully in our relationship with Christ as we're walking, when we pray every day, the Lord's Prayer, 
your kingdom come, your will be done. We see ourselves as the bride of Christ. We're excited about being his helpmate and being his hands and his feet and seeing what he's up to on the earth and participating with all, all of the things that God sees in relationships and so important to him about how we relate to each other, he's just against divorce. And when we come from divorce or we come from any other disaster in our life, many of them self-inflicted, many of them inflicted by others, and we do tend to bench ourselves, right? And I think one thing that we have to learn as Christians so soon, and for so many of us, we learn it so late down the road, is how to get up. How to stand back up. You know, in judo, one of the first things you learn is how to fall correctly. I think we should have Christianity 101. How do I screw up (laughs) and keep going? Because, you know, John says, I'm writing these things so that you don't sin. And that's the goal. But when you do sin, Mm -hmm. confess your sins and he's faithful and just. You know, that it just testifies my sin and my brokenness only testifies how much I need a savior and how much he's there for me. It's interesting when you talk about the stigma that divorce has in the church, because it's almost like you're wearing an outward sign, like the scarlet letter, where people know that something fell apart in your life. But there are other people sitting in the church that have hidden sins, addiction, whether they're having an affair or addicted to pornography, or they're angry, or they're emotionally abusive, or what have you. That is not as prominent as someone who's gone through a divorce. And so it's interesting to me that we, as a church, the big church, you know, in America, that that has been such a stigma when instead of taking folks that have been broken and healing them and saying, come on in, you're welcome, that we kind of hold them at arm's length. And we don't do that with people who are actively walking in sin because it's hidden. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something that people need to look at their own motives about, the stigma that they have on divorce. The Bible says that God hates divorce, and I think it's because it hurts his people, and that's why he hates it. Um, He doesn't hate the people, but he hates the pain that it causes people. Yeah. Yeah, I think we could talk about any sin in the exact same words that you're using right now. And the Lord hates the damage that divorce causes to families and children and people. And I think, you know, the the consequences that we look at when we look at people's lives with some sins remain hidden for a long time and other sins become quite obvious. And divorce is a sin between two people. It's It becomes quite obvious, like you said, and it, we can see it and you, you walk right in with it and then you walk around with it for the rest of your life. It's just like, okay, well, that's that's there. You're labeled that. Yeah. But the same hope that anybody has, and that's, you know, this love month that we're talking about, that same hope that any sinner has is the hope that a divorced person has. That yes, God, things can be so destroyed, but we serve a God who loves to make beautiful things out of broken things. That's just his specialty. And we have the the promises in the word that tell us all things work together for good. And when you're going in the midst of that or when you're in the darkness, it's like, how can this be that this disaster would be somehow worked for good? But yet our God, that's just how he is. That's what he does. That's why it's so fun to be on his team, to watch this stuff happen in your own life, right? When it happens to you, but also in other people's lives when when God picks up broken pieces of something that was sort of ugly to begin with and he puts it back together in a way and it's all of a sudden, it's beautiful. Right. It's like, wow, how'd you do that? <laughs> so he, he may be ben- benching you for a season because he sees you're injured and you're exhausted and you need to come out and... Mm-hmm get healthy and whole. But I love that God puts you back into the game. Yeah. 
and that he doesn't want to bench you forever. Can you tell us about a personal struggle that you dealt with after divorce and how you worked through that? I think when I first got divorced, I wanted quick band-aids. And I think a lot of people are like this. When our heart is wounded, that is a tough thing to walk through. Because if you if you get your hand hurt or whatever, you get some bandage on there and you just you use the other hand, you compensate. You know, the doctor says it's going to take six weeks to heal and you complain about it. But honestly, you're fine. You're like, whatever, if it takes six weeks, if it takes six months, whatever it takes, I'm just going to use my other hand and I'm going to go about my business. When your heart hurts... It is so common for us as people to just want to stop that hurt so quickly any way we possibly can. Mm. A very common way to do that and a way that I tried to do it quite quickly is to shove another relationship in there. You know, wouldn't it be nice to not be so lonely? When you're single, sometimes single people are quite lonely, but there is a, a loneliness that comes kind of multiplied when you're divorced. It's a little worse. I've been single. I was single for a long time. I got married later in life. So I kind of know a little bit of that single loneliness, but also know the divorced loneliness, which is worse than the single loneliness, because you kind of come from, I thought I was going to have this. I thought, you know, it was there and now it's not there. So I think a common pitfall and one that I fell into was trying to shove, looking for, hoping for romantic relationship to fix that wound. That's, that's disastrous. It just is. The time frame that we as people need to heal is pretty long, longer than we'd like to admit. Did you know it was disastrous before you got into it? And you're like, this probably isn't a good idea. <laughs> or is it after the fact that you were like, man, I was not ready and I should have waited? I would say in the back of the of my mind, I might have known that. But when you're in the midst, when you're wounded and hurting, the loudest message in your ears is your heart saying, ouch. There might be other messages that you would wish that you were smart enough or wise enough or holy enough or something enough to be able to grab a hold of. But in the moment, it's just ouch. And then you're just scrambling for something to stop that. I probably did know in the back of my mind, but, but reaching for it, trying to, uh, trying to grasp it strolls. In that divorce care group that I went to where I was, you know, out there trolling around trying to find <laughs> – that was one of the things that was talked about. You know, you don't don't jump into something. You know, you, you're going to need time. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Not me. <laughs> Not me. I'll be fine. Well, I think the difference with physical wounds is you can see them and you can tell if they're healing or not. Yeah. In heart wounds – you can't see. And yeah. sometimes it's, you don't know exactly what you need. And you don't know exactly how long it's going to take to heal. I just feel like those invisible wounds, they are difficult. The it, physical ones are nice so compared to that. Talking about this, if, if we're talking to anybody who, who has these wounds, I, I just want to encourage you and say this. That long, narrow road, that really is the good road. Because what the Lord can do is exactly that. Take all of that stuff that we were just talking about. Take all of that hurt and make something awesome and beautiful. But if we short circuit that, mm. you know, we're left holding pieces for how, how long, how much longer, Lord, do I have to be walking through my life holding these broken pieces and pretending and, and trying to, you know, hold up appearances. And I know there are a lot of people out there that do that. Honestly, their heart is in a thousand pieces and they have made choices like so many of us do of trying to just get the quick fix. Let me just go get the, you know, let me get back to normal as quick as I can. The honest answer is, no, this is going to be a long journey. 
but it's a good one. It's a good one because of the grace of God and what he loves to do with broken people. And how if we, you know, if we look at our Bible and how many heroes of our faith do we have come out of a real disaster? One of my favorite Bible heroes is is Daniel. I think Daniel is it's just an amazing. I think God showed Daniel and maybe more than any other prophet has ever seen ever, maybe other than Jesus, but um Daniel saw saw the Lord come in through Nebuchadnezzar, just through the how much Daniel was esteemed and trusted, I think, was just amazing. He was prisoner of war that had mandatory surgery done to him and this he was not a eunuch. Yeah, no, that was not his choice, I'm pretty sure. But through that disaster of being a prisoner of war, of being ripped from his homeland, he decided, I'm, I'm going to take the path of, of the harder path. They were giving him the, the food, and he's like, no, we're, we're going to honor God as we walk from this mess. We're going to take the hard steps. And wow. And, you know, he's not the only one. There's so many Bible heroes that we can think of that have gone through the fires, you know, going through the deserts. And What got you to the point where you felt like you could work through that struggle? Did you feel like you just had grace on your life from God of, no, this is okay where I am right now, and I'm going to work through that? Or was it more heartache and you, you felt like you were wising up? How did you get to the place where you were like, okay, I'm going to not do that. I'm not going to try to get the quick fix. I'm not going to have someone else or think someone else is going to fix this. But was there a process for you in that? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think it's I think it's that or the alcoholic twelve uh, step thing they do day by day, right? Mm-hmm. Day by day. I think that's how I that's how it worked for me. I don't think I had a revelation of of anything. I will say this: I dug in my heels with a scripture, with just one scripture, and I just held on to that. It was sort of the breath I breathed day and night, you know. And I just grabbed a hold of that, and I would say that that is faith. Can you share the scripture? Sure. Well, I don't know exactly where it is. It's in Psalm 119. So just go read that one real quick. And That's a really I, long yeah, chapter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's, that psalm has every scripture you in it. You can guess um, which one he was, <laughs> yeah. which one is God's verse. It says, God is good, and what he does is good. And I just grabbed that in the darkness. That became my anchor. And I mixed my faith with it. Though I am miserable and though my heart is breaking and though I don't see how I'm going to do these things that I have to do or face these things that I have to face or get out of bed tomorrow, blah, 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 whatever it is, God is good and what he does is good. Therefore, somehow this is going to be okay. And day by day, yeah, just making that and letting the Lord in the secret places of me that I don't know put me back together. I don't understand that. How am I okay now? I don't know how I'm okay. I really don't understand that. Well, and you're not only as a single parent trying to deal with your own pain, but you're a dad in all of this, raising two kids that were pretty young at the time. How has the grace that God has given you and the strength you've had, how have you been able to impart that to your kids? I think a lot of parents, I think a lot of uh, people in divorce with little kids, it's like reality comes and you just have to shelf, shelf what you're going through although you really can't because it's overwhelming. But you still have to because the practicality of, I have two little human beings that are looking to me for everything. I can't afford to be broken and curl up in a ball and be in the corner and cry for a week. I can't do that. Yeah, I don't know how that gets done, but I believe that 
the Lord says that he's close to the brokenhearted. And it's interesting how the Bible also says God has chosen the poor in this life to be rich in faith. And when you're, when you're a broken person, you know, when you feel like you're a ship without a rudder, that's when you pray more earnestly for a favorable wind. That's when you pray more sincerely that God would just have some gentle breezes blowing your way and take you to a, a better place. And he does. That's my testimony. And that's the hopeful thing of, of all of this shine a light on the disaster of divorce, there is no disaster big enough where there isn't grace bigger, right? There isn't. Amen. Yep. And he comes and he shines light on, on the deepest, darkest, awfulest places we are and we can be and says, yeah, no, I can, I can work with that. I can fix that. No problem. And he does. I feel like you answered the question that's up next. Just the idea of what have you learned about God? So much grace. Faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. And it's exciting to serve God. I, I feel sorry for people who, who are looking for the good stuff elsewhere. In relationships or in whatever else in life we can go down. You know, the scriptures say, taste and see that the Lord is good. And there is a tasting that comes through trials that I don't think we get at other times in our lives. When we're standing on the mountaintop and everything is great, there is a tasting of the Lord, a sampling on that buffet that we cannot get to from there. But in the darkness, in the night, you know, with the tears on our pillow, there is a, a different expression of faith that if we reach out then, we will see something astonishing about our God and his goodness and his faithfulness. And it will, I believe, take our faith to another level. I, I think that so many of the f heroes of the faith we look at in the Bible, like David, or all the times that he was persecuted by Saul, and, and he was called a man after God's own heart, but he went through difficulty to get there. And I believe that God took all those nights out in the caves and on the hills, and David walked through those nights with faith. David knew something about God that I don't get to know because I haven't had anybody trying to shoot me. But he knows a portion that, that we don't get to know. And he got to walk the rest of his days with that faith, that special aspect. And I would say to any broken person, in the midst of brokenness, if we embrace faith through that, there is good stuff to be had that the average Joe is just not going to get. And if we don't grab a hold of it now, we're, we can miss it. I am convinced I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Yeah. Yeah. And David wrote that, right? He did. Yeah. I mean, just speaking about faith, it wasn't, I hope I get to see the goodness of God while I'm alive sometime, if I ever get out of this cave. But it's the mixing of the faith. I am convinced I will see the goodness of God. As someone who's been divorced, do you feel like you let your light shine in specific ways because it has been a process that you've walked through and that you've experienced, that you let your light shine in that area to other people? I think so. I think is exactly what we're talking about here of God making beauty out of ashes. So I, I make a disaster. I marry unwisely and I, I have guilt and I have shame in my marriage of the things that I did. And I end up with divorce and I end up with sin and I end up with brokenness. And then God takes that, all of that mess, as I cry out to him, as I pursue him, as I repent and as I, I cry out to him for help, he takes all of that and somehow makes me a more compassionate person, or makes me a more patient person, or makes me a more understanding person. 
and not to say that I have aces in any of those categories, but to be able to empathize with people who are hurting when you yourself have hurt, it's easy to forget, but it's also easy for the Lord to remind us if we've walked down a path and we see somebody else on that same path, it's a little bit easier to have empathy for them. And so if we've struggled, if we've had tears on our pillows at night, then anybody else who comes our way, and you can see it riding in on them when they walk through the doors of the church, right? It's, you've had a rough night. Mm-hmm. It's, it's heaviness. It's brokenness. And yeah, I think the Lord takes these things like he took so many of the experiences we were talking about of, of the heroes of the faith. Take those experiences of being in jail or, or being hidden in the cave and use that to help. So you just feel like you're able to minister more deeply. Yeah, and in different ways and different strengths that I, I say this sometimes. I couldn't be the man I am now were it not for the road that got me here. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be this guy. Not to say that the guy before wasn't the guy. I mean, that guy before, he was a missionary, and he did good stuff too, and he taught Sunday school, and he wasn't half bad. But <laughs> he's not this guy. And is there loss between? Sure. I wish I could go back and get some of those things that I had in my 20s that I feel like have been robbed from me. Mm-hmm. Because it's not for free. You know, I didn't get here for free. It cost me. But on the other hand... I couldn't be this guy. I couldn't be him. I couldn't be doing the things I am doing now were it not for this road that I've come down. Yeah, the Lord uses all things and makes good stuff out of it. What are some of your pet peeves about how society or the church deals with or sees people who have been divorced? Yeah, that's a good question. And there are a lot of aspects that could be talked about, but... um, We've already talked about, you know, divorce being a sin and the Lord's not favorable uh, with this situation. Our culture, I think there was a time when we could be Christians and we could be culturally Americans and it was all kind of copacetic. We were all happy in that situation. We'll just be Americans and Christians and it's kind of the same thing, right? I think those days have come and gone and we, our culture embraces divorce in a way that the church must not and cannot. And when they came to Jesus and they said, you know, what's up with divorce? You know, for what reason can a guy get a divorce? And paraphrasing, Jesus basically said, no. And they're like, no, I mean, what reasons can a guy get a divorce? And Jesus said, no. Divorce is no. If you need a a reason, then, you know, here's something. But basically, God puts families together. Don't break them up. That's it. Don't break them up. And we live in a culture today that divorce is cheap. It's easy. It's common. It's accepted. I'm I'm talking about the idea of divorced and not divorced people. But the idea of divorce, if we're going to talk about it as a church, we need to tell young people. You know, we need to tell married people. I've talked to married people who want out of their marriages, and I don't think they understand the consequences. I don't think a lot of young people understand the consequences when they get up and they say, till death do I part, you know, I do. They're profound and deep consequences of those decisions. And we as a church can really let our Lord down when we embrace culture and cultural norms for dating and cultural norms for, you know, how we court one another and how we get married and how we we do these things and not really think about the essence of what's going on. If you're a young person, 20 years old or that age-ish, and you're thinking about getting married, do you really think 60 years down the road? Are we telling them to think 60 years down the road? Are we telling people? Are we teaching young people what it means to have a good marriage, to have fellowship with another person, you know, to have the same life goals? 
I think so many young people get married and person wants to run hard after the Lord and the other person is, you know, a Christian. That's not the same. And that's hard fellowship. That's really tough. You got one person and that's having different goals. And like they say, fellowship, that's two fellows on a ship, right? But that ship only goes one direction. Or if you think about it another way, if if you got a far off goal and another far off goal at another direction, then you can't walk the same direction. You're not heading the same place. It's coming to the church just as it's coming to the world. And I think we need to fight a little harder for our marriages in the church. I think we need to, to believe a little harder and we need to try a little harder for young people and helping single people make wise decisions. I guess it's no longer okay that we just accept the way we do it in America because it doesn't work. And if you're listening out there and you are married and you're feeling like it's a big struggle and you're thinking about getting divorced, we encourage you to fight for your marriage and to work it out. There are situations where that's not possible. We don't want people to live in abusive relationships. And there are sometimes times when one partner walks away and it wasn't the other partner's wish and, you know, they don't really have a say in it. But we do want you to fight for your marriage. But if you are on the other side of that, we want you to feel like you're loved and there is grace in your life and there's redemption and there's hope. It's kind of like if you're married, fight it out, stick it out, do what you can to work through it. And sometimes you need tools and you need help and you need resources. And, you know, we've had our elders on and their wives and talking about struggles that people have and how you have to work through it because every marriage has struggles. Every marriage has struggles. And so we do want you to get help and to get tools so that you're in a place that's healthier. But I think, Scott, you paint such a a beautiful picture of God's grace in the midst of divorce. And, you know, you're doing a great job raising your kids. You have Mm -hmm. two beautiful teenagers who love the Lord and are precious and Mm We're blessed to have them a part of the upper room. And I love your message. And I know it's hard to come on here and talk about this because it's the month of love. And just like you said, when you sat down, like, I don't think this really fits. But (laughs) we don't want to just gloss over the fluffy stuff. We know that life is hard. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. But I love what your verse is that you clung to all of these years that God is good. Is there anything else? It's a tough subject. I like what you said there at the end. I think that's really important. And I think the same grace a divorced person has to get through their darkness is the same grace, different flavor, but same grace that a married person has and is struggling or a single person has and is struggling. And being that it is the month of love, the the crux of the matter really boils right down to that. What is love or who is love? (laughs) We're on a journey with him, drawing close to him. And in marriage, that journey can get real pokey and end up on all kinds of difficult places, and even divorce. Through all that pokiness, through all that injury, there's grace, and there's hope, and there's there's love, there's abundance, and there's, there's that deep satisfaction, that peace that passes understanding, that doesn't, it's not based on circumstances. Yeah, it is, it is exciting. He, he loves us. He's for us and not against us. He's doing great things. So if you're married, keep going dig in deep, go down the hard roads, the hard, ugly, painful roads that sometimes marriage is because there's good things down there. There is good things. Embrace it. There's good things. is definitely not about the fluff. Marriage is about sometimes that stripping away where you learn to be selfless and you have to learn to be giving and you have to learn to give of yourself. And all of those things are not fun and they are painful. Yeah. 
to give when you want to take. And I loved you said prickly things, all of those prickly things which strip us away. And like you said, make us better in the process, turning us into gold. Yeah. It is not always fun. Not always fun. But remember James, he said, count it all joy when you face these various things. Count it all joy because he's back there behind the curtain and he's working it all for good stuff. We don't see it. Doesn't feel like it right then, but we just go through that journey with faith. Well, thank you so much, Scott, for joining us and talking about this personal experience and being vulnerable with us. We appreciate it. You have such great words of wisdom, and we appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.